0: Hello, and welcome to the Text in Us podcast. I'm your host, George Fricks, and I'm here with my co-host, El Grover Fricks, to resume our discussions in Genesis chapter 48.
1: That's right. Here we are, finishing it up. We are. Without further ado, Yosef, let's see what he's got for us. It was after these words, it was said to Yosef, Look here, your father is sick. He took his two sons with him, Menasseh and Ephraim, It was announced to Yaakov and said, Look here, Yosef, your son, is coming to you. Yisrael strengthened himself. He sat on the bed. Yaakov said to Yosef, El Shaddai was seen by me in an almond tree in the land of Canaan. He knelt and blessed me. He said, Look here, I will make you fruitful, I will make you a great many, I will give you as an assembly of peoples, I will give this land for your seed after you, an eternal holding. Now two sons were born to you in the land of Mitzrayim before I came to you in Mitzrayim. To me, Ephraim and Manasseh are as Ruben and Simon, they will be for me. Your children, whom you bear after them, they shall be for you." They will be called by the name of their brothers and in their inheritance. I, when I came from Padan, Rachel d- died upon me in the land of Canaan, in the path, when there was a little length of land, until we came to Ephrata, fruitful. I buried her there in the path of Ephrata, the house of bread. Yisrael saw the sons of Yosef. He said, Who are these? Yosef said, My sons, the one whom God has given to me in this. He said, Take them, please, to me. I will bless them. The eyes of Yisrael were heavy with age. He was not able to see. Yosef brought them near to him. He kissed them. He embraced them. Yisrael said to Yosef, I had not prayed to see your face. Look here. God has caused me to see you and also your seed. Yosef brought them out from with his knees. He bowed himself nose to land. Yosef took the two of them, Ephraim in his right hand to the left hand of Yisrael, Manasseh in his left hand to the right hand of Yisrael. He brought them near to him. Yisrael sent out his right hand. He set it upon the head of Ephraim. He was the younger. His left hand upon the head of Manasseh, intertwining his hands, for Manasseh was the Bechor. He knelt and blessed Yosef. He said, the gods before whom the fathers walked themselves, Abraham and Yitzchak, the gods shepherded me continually until this day. The angel has ransomed me from all evil. He will bless the young men. My name will call within them the name of my fathers, Abraham and Yitzchak. They will multiply like fish into a great many in the bowels of the land. Yosef saw that his father set his right hand upon the head of Ephraim. It was evil in his eyes. He grasped the hand of his father to turn it aside from upon the head of Ephraim to be upon the head of Meraseh. Yosef said to his father, "'Not like this, my father. This is the b'chor. Place your right hand upon his head.' His father refused. "'I know, my son, I know.' Also he will become a people, also he will be great, but the little brother shall be greater than he. His seed will be that which fills the nations. He knelt and blessed them that day, saying, In you Israel, will bless, saying, May God set you as Ephraim and Manasseh." He set Ephraim before Manasseh. Israel said to Yosef, Look here, I am dying. God will be with you all. He will return you to the land of your fathers." I have given to you one shoulder over your brothers, which I took from the hand of the emery with my sword and my bow. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God.
1: Okay, <laughs> a classic.
0: Yeah, one of those stories in Genesis that I don't get to very often, uh, you know, most of the ones at the end of the book, really, I don't typically think about when I think about Joseph's story. Right. right. And it's
1: like, he triumphs, and then he rules, and everything's great until slavery, boo. In the end, right. <laughs>
0: yeah, right, um, yeah. But we have these last few chapters mm-hmm. that have a lot of interesting content to them. They
1: do, yeah. I have, like, the fact to that Yaakov blesses everybody, right. and he, like flips his hands on Ephraim and Menasseh but I don't have the rest of these details down and they're super interesting um, and I'm also looking forward to talking about like why and what what's going on there in the in the subtext yeah. of that um, choice that Yaakov makes
0: right yeah, but yeah, absolutely.
1: Be- before we get there We have our sections this week.
0: Yep, two sections. Uh, It's a short chapter with, what is it, 22 verses. So I split these right down the middle. It worked out pretty well. So we have verses 1 through 11 for part 1, and part 2 is going to be 12 through 22. So uh, a nice tidy division there. So let's dive into part 1. Great. It was after these words, that was said to Yosef, look here, your father is sick. He took his two sons with him, Manasseh and Ephraim. It was announced to Yaakov and said, look here, Yosef, your son is coming to you. Israel strengthened himself. He sat on the bed.
1: And then says some kind of wild stuff.
0: And says a bunch of stuff about the promise and...
1: Almond um, trees.
0: Yeah, almond trees. But uh, uh, a couple of things before we get to that retelling of the blessing that I wanted to look at... Um, First off, it starts with this, it was after these words. We can presume that he's talking about the uh, words that he just had with Joseph in the previous chapter, that we talked about this kind of challenge of whether or not Joseph is his son versus Pero's son. that um,
1: Interchange. Yeah, a little bit of context there. So the word for words is devarim. And some people also translate it things. So this would right. be in your Bible when it says, and it was after these things. That's kind of funny to me because um, things is very abstract, words is not. It also would make the actual name of Deuteronomy <laughs> things, which is funny. Um, and so it's not necessarily after these words, as in conversational words uh-huh. from the previous chapter, it can be after the words of the person who's reading the text out loud, right? Okay. Because for so long, it's not intended to be a story that's read the way we do, right? Um, but one that's called out to the community. So it's after the words that the narrator just said.
0: Okay, gotcha. Okay.
1: I um, mean, it could also be what you're saying, but um, sure that context there might be illuminating right okay so sometime after they've had this conversation um, about him not burying his right dad in Mitzrayim and then apparently it's been a while right and Yosef is not staying near Yaakov it seems like I don't get the feeling that they're neighbors here. I mean, it says near land, right? But it doesn't seem like he's popping over to have brunch every
0: week. The Midrash says that that is because Yosef was intentionally distancing himself from his father because he didn't want to have conversations about his brothers and the way he was treated and everything that went down. Mm. And so he was trying to keep himself from being uh, essentially frustrated and angry at his brothers by... Uh, eliminating the possibility of conversation about it. Now, all of that is kind of just, you know, backstory, context, you know, of why he's being called to him now and isn't already there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I don't know if there's really any anything deeper behind that conversation.
1: I mean, I think so. I think that Midrash is giving room for people to continue exercising their boundaries, um, you know, in ways that are healthy for them. Even if there isn't something explicitly wrong in a family dynamic anymore, you know, that we know of, it's still Yosef saying, oh, what's helpful for him and what's not helpful for him. And he gets to decide if it's not helpful for him to see his brothers all the time. So I think that's has a deeper meaning. Uh, But who am I to say? Right. So Yisrael strengthens himself. Um, I'm guessing that's emotionally as well as physically um, for the task at hand.
0: He does. Yeah.
1: He sits up.
0: He sits up on his bed. And there's two things that happen that I think are interesting leading up to that. Okay. The first is that Yosef is called to come to his father Mm -hmm. and not other people who you might expect to be called in. You know, it wasn't uh, Reuben, it wasn't Judah, Yehuda. you know, it wasn't the Bahor being called in for the blessing. That's going to happen later. Right. The first person that gets called in is Yosef.
1: Well, Yosef says he's coming. He doesn't get called in. He, like, calls upon his dad.
0: Right. But so it's, it's, it's says, said dad to him, your sick. father is sick. Okay. Right. And he's and,
1: the first one that shows up. I see he, what you're saying. he
0: comes in. And he not only does he come, but he brings his sons with him. Right. To this private audience that he's going to have with his father, which, you know, wasn't something that was asked of. Um, and so, you know, there's kind of a little bit of a what's going on there. Is there an expectation that he knows already that, hey the time is coming for my father, right, to die, right? Because it doesn't say, oh, your father is dying. It just says your father is sick.
1: Right. Maybe that's an honor culture thing. I don't know, but of not being like your dad's moments from death is too vulnerable or something. And so they just say, he's not looking too good, you know, which I guess we do in our culture, too. Yeah. so and not doing too hard. Right. <sighs> Um, plus, I mean, it's not like they have him hooked up to a cardiogram or something. They have no idea when he's actually going to die. So, um, so yeah, he gets himself over there, um, which is also instructive, you know, even if he hasn't made it a practice, he shows up when he knows it matters. It's an admirable thing to do, you know, doesn't say, and Yosef put it off, not wanting to see his father. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, So Yisrael sits up, and so he says this speech about who God has been to him, which is an admirable thing to do on your deathbed to testify to your kids um, where you've seen God show up in your life. Right. Um, But he describes him with this El Shaddai word um, that we saw way back in Genesis 15, right? So if you want to hear, like, we posited six possible, um, solutions, six possibilities for what El Shaddai meant. And none of them was God almighty or whatever your footnote says. Um, and so you can refer to that, but I, you know, I at the time liked the one that had to do with being a family, Okay. Protector figure, if Uh you recall. I do, yeah. Um, And I think that fits in this story, too, of Yaakov um, referring to God being the one that keeps his family together because he's seen Yosef restored to him when he never thought that that Mm. was going to happen. And Mm -hmm. he's about to do something interesting in the family once again. Um, But he's seen by him in an almond tree. Uh, this is back in Beit El, by the way, if it's been a while, right? Um, if you haven't been speed listening, which I always think it's a fascinating um, theme whenever Tanakh links God to trees or trees being important or trees being a kind of mystical place for God's people.
0: Yeah, it is. it is said kind of in an interesting way. That's almost like if I'm trying to envision uh, or mentally imagine imagine the scenario that he's describing. It's like he's walking along, and then there's a tree, and it's more. It, it almost has this vibe of, "Oh, a tree! It's God saying this to me, <laughs> That's right?" It's funny. Because not says, like
1: the Shesher cat in Alice in Wonderland, right?
0: You know, or is it like God sitting in the tree, kind of Zacchaeus style,
1: right? Uh, I don't know, but I do know that I was always told that trees were only important to like the cult of Asherah. Hmm. Um, when I was growing up, and apparently that's not really true, because we've seen the great significance of trees all yeah. the way through going Maybe back to Maybe it's more of a home.
0: burning bush scenario.
1: Maybe. Um, I mean, and especially when you live in a deserty area, right? Trees are a big deal right. in terms of shade and produce, and they live for generations, and they're beautiful. So, I mean, I'm pro-tree, um, and God certainly seems to show up at them, so... Just throw that into our uncertain Tanakh theology bucket of, Right. I don't know, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and if you're listening and you're like, almond tree, I don't see almond tree. That's because it probably doesn't say almond tree in your translation. Uh, and that's because they just say Luz,
1: yes. L-U-Z. Yes, that's the go-to translator move when you don't like the theology of something is just leave it in... Hebrew so make people go whatever it's probably a, a place random word random noun. means light in Spanish um, okay so he's seen in an almond tree as one does um, and he blessed me he said look here I will make you fruitful I will make you a great many an assembly of peoples um, that's an update by the way because in the time of Abraham it was just like I'll make you a great nation right. and then it became an assembly of nations um, the UN here prophesied, no, I will give this land for your seed after you an eternal holding. That's also a maximized version of the OG promise. Um, because again, originally God said, I'm giving you some land, right? Go right. to this land, I'll show you. And now it's an eternal holding. Yep. So,
0: yeah, which is interesting in contradiction to uh, uh, Yosef giving them a a land in egypt right which we talked about is linked to this idea of an ancestral land Mm, an ancestral mm -hmm. holding this is an eternal possession right right which has a much more heavy spiritual it seems like language behind it
1: right well i mean in tractate sanhedrin i think in the talmud says that because it's in eternal holding of god's people they say post-apocalypse basically every every jewish person who's been buried on the planet not in haaretz not in the eternal holding their body in zombie form will like boop 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 boop, dig through the earth through the crust um to get to the land and then pop out yeah which i (laughs) <laughs> to fight a battle, by the way, against all the anti-Semites and right. everybody else.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting
1: eschatology. Yeah,
0: eschatology. Yeah, I there was a I was reading a, a rabbi talking about something else that and that came up. In the conversation Mm -hmm. and bodies tunneling through the earth came up. (laughs) Yeah, but talking about the importance of being buried in Jerusalem. Because mm. if you're not, it's really painful to have your body dragged through the earth that far.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) What a way to experience the uh, the end times I right. guess yeah oh dear um all right well fun theology aside fun Jewish theology aside Um. he then goes on to say two sons are born to you yes. in the land of Mitzrayim before I came to you in Mitzrayim and then he says to me Ephraim and Manasseh are as Rovain and Simon they are for me or they will be for me your children, whom you bear after them, they shall be for you. So, this right. seems like he's saying, I'm adopting your kids. Yeah. Um, they are of the same rank as Leah's kids. Yep. Um, and this makes sense, of course, um, when you think about the tribes' um, distribution in the land. There's no like Yosef's land, there's right. the land of Ephraim and Manasseh. Yeah. Um, but what's your take on why he's doing this?
0: Yeah, I. It's super interesting. One, I think it's part of, uh, a part of his treatment at, to Yosef as more of a bechor figure, right? Um, and so giving him an extra portion through the inclusion of his two children, right, in the inheritance, right, right. It's almost a subversive way of doing that. Right. And so maybe some sort of a. Restorative action right. of their relationship. Um
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's colored by this um accident from yaakov's perspective of losing his son. But yeah. I agree that it's a formal um restating who the Bukhur is, especially because he says as Ruvain. Ruvain is supposed right. to be the Bukhor, right? Right. And so he's utilizing the kids um, to point out who he's saying the B'chor is. And if you don't recall from how many ever episodes ago, I talked about how B'chor doesn't mean firstborn. B'chur, um is a verb in noun form that means to choose. It's the chosen one. So you can choose whoever you want to be. I am the, the chosen first- one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter to Ramil Devane, anyone? Um, but so he... Yeah. So he's stating who is his new before and and also couching um, these kids against ill treatment because he states like they have an equal foot with these other guys who are way older than them.
0: I could see being, you know, uh, potentially a point of contention because they are they their mother is Egyptian. Mm. Right. Right. Um, and...
1: Intermarriage has always been in the story from the very beginning, everyone.
0: Yeah. Well, and also, you know, the rabbis point out that from these children come, uh, both Gideon and Joshua. So, Mm. you know, important lines in the, uh, following up history of the nation of Israel. So, um, because Mm -hmm. of the way God uses them. Now there's other also... Some other problems with those lines in that, you know, there's some kings that come from those lines that are not great kings. But
1: right, you can say that about most that of about the Troi- A Trois. lot of them, <laughs>
0: right. So um, it is interesting. And, you know, their, their names, especially Ephraim, right, is used throughout the text as a way to talk about the nation of Israel.
1: Which has always been a curious phenomenon to me of like when a prophet chooses to call yeah. God's people Yisrael versus Yaakov versus Ephraim. So Ephraim means um, fruitful, just like Ephrata means fruitful. It's the same um, root pri, which means fruit. And so oh, interesting. I presume that's what Yaakov Like the little diversion he takes about talking about how Rachel died on the way to fruitfulness, which, by the way, is a very poetic irony, right? Because she struggled to have kids and then finally had to die during the first one on the, I mean, the second one on the way to fruitfulness um bread of course is a fertility image because wheat was tied it's like the agricultural version of human fertility so ishtar is always portrayed holding wheat right even though she's fertility goddess etc doesn't give
0: yosef power over the bread that he eats right
1: right oh nice callback Indeed. Uh, and so I think that's what's going on there. Um, and I think that's why the prophets use Ephraim, um, because they're talking about the fruit that Israel is supposed to be bearing, and they're not um, right. usually. But I think that's what's going on. And then it's kind of a weird pivot that he's apparently been staring out into the middle distance while talking about God. And, yeah, in verse eight. And his beloved wife. And then he's like, <laughs> Who are these?
0: <laughs> yeah, I it is a weird pivot. I think that there's potentially a narrative thing going on here in calling back to his own story mm-hmm. with his father, Isaac when he's coming in to get the blessing. right? Um, yes. that should be going to Aesop. And I think there is again an interesting parallel and restoration that happens here in that both sons, get the blessing at the same time mm-hmm. and it even mirrors the language of the younger shall serve or the older shall serve the younger you know the younger shall be greater kind of yeah idea yeah so, i think
1: there's a lot of parallels that the narrator sets up like um his eyes were heavy with age right the, <laughs> if you typically translate kavod glorious rather than heavy you can say they're glorious with age which is always a nice thing to put in somebody's birthday note um uh, the
0: rabbis say that's because they say a couple of things they say that glory is connected to old age sure right because gray hair is the glory one of the glories of a man because when he gets old his hair gets gray right so um, i don't know
1: george as soon as you're not hot enough for Instagram anymore. I'm pretty sure your worth and value as a human being just goes down the trash. You'll
0: we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean my my Instagram numbers are like really solid right now. So yeah, if they start like to dive two, off two Yeah. My two followers, if they start to <laughs> dive off when my hair turns gray.
1: Nobody can find us on social media. That is not the point of this. Um we no, are but being facetious. Uh, they do connect
0: it to Old age because right. of that. So I could, I you know, that's old
1: eyes. Yitzchak can't see, but I think that to give Yaakov some credit, who we are so often annoyed with, um, he is here. I think also deliberately conjuring up that moment and choosing intentionally to try to redact some. Redemption into the narrative. I don't think it's just the is being like, see, it's all so poetic and symmetrical. I think that he's doing it on purpose, right? Because if he had wanted to bless Yaakov more than Esav, he could have done it at the same time, like you're mm. saying, without deceit without hiding without dumping all of your blessing out on one person and then not having it for the other so he still chooses to prioritize the second kid which again is allowed because it's the before not the firstborn yeah the chosen not the firstborn anyway
0: well yeah so there are three things that the rabbis uh talk about as being uh, attributed to the patriarchs an association with old age. Okay. The first thing is that Abraham was the first person who is mentioned uh, uh, of being of old age.
1: Okay. Despite Matushelah being 969 years old.
0: Yeah, they yeah, so he lived to an old age, but he was not described as of of old. Right. Right. And so uh, before him there was no mark of old age on anyone. <clears throat> the second is so oh, everybody
1: ran around like vampires. Is yeah. what I'm hearing. Yeah,
0: exactly. It was twilight. It was oh, the boy. twilight years. Oh my, of the earth. Okay, continue. Um, the second is the dimming of sight in old age, which is attributed to Yitzchak, because he's the first person mentioned as having poor eyesight when he is old. Right. The third is the sickness coming before death. Attributed to Yaakov mm-hmm. uh, because he's the first person mentioned uh, being coming sick before he dies. Okay, um, and so um, they go on with a couple of other things like Elisha's is the first person to become cured of sickness. So before him, huh. nobody was ever cured of being sick, and all this other stuff. So um, we have
1: people whose names are healers in the in Tanakh in Genesis, but okay. you can
0: add this to your list of Arguments with the Rabbis.
1: Uh, that's a scroll about 18 miles long.
0: Yep. It just got a little longer, and that's okay. But it's interesting, you know, with you talking about the way that that is translated uh-huh. as heavy and, yeah.
1: Or glorious. Glorious, right. right. So their point is that death and sickness has slunk into the story like a it's sneaky, evolving over time, sneaky antagonist who doesn't show its face fully at first, but kind of gets its wins and tries to make advancements from there.
0: Yeah, maybe so. But um I think here in this passage, right, there's again a connection back to Israq with that old eyes, uh the sorry, not old eyes, the dimming of the eyes, the right. heaviness of the eyes with old age. Um, as we're kind of looking at that parallel. Um And again, starting out with that question, who are these, kind of paralleling the question, who are you, Mm. to Yaakov.
1: I see. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I like it. Um, That makes sense because it's kind of random otherwise. (laughs) It is kind of random, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I guess if he really is blind and he can't see, and then he's having a kind of, oh. Who who we got here? Type old man thing to say. Yeah, Um, we have the
0: touching of the hands. We have the kissing and embracing.
1: Right, it's giving of a blessing. It's confusing too um, in the Hebrew. I, of course, went with what it says, which says, brought them out from with his knees. (laughs) But everybody uh translates that different. I looked at like 32, um, the Bible Hub translations that they provide. And it's like people sitting on people's knees or or sitting on Yaakov's knees. Yeah. Yeah, which I don't know if there's some rabbinic teaching saying about how old they were that that would have been weird. Um, of course, the legs are always a sensual, manly um, right. body part in the in Hebrew, and so um, I don't know if we're supposed to be have our attention drawn to Yosef's virility or something, but um, or if they're they've just been sitting on his knees because they're toddlers. So I have no idea.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it's a strange. Uh, yeah imagery i don't know
1: well bring back hot man legs 2023 (laughs) (laughs) go back to medieval times put everybody in tights get Um, excited about it yeah before we before
0: we get past that though i want to look at verse 11 the phrase here you have i had not prayed to see your face look here god has caused me to see you and also your seed um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And I thought that was interesting, one, because... I
1: think it's interesting that you don't really want to camp out on hot man legs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> to the surprise of everyone.
1: Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So you think it's interesting because...
0: Um, well, so the KJV translates that I had not thought to see your fra- face. Uh-huh. NIV says I had not expected... Mm. Um, and it's just a weird way to say that. And you have prayed. So, uh, right. the, the, when you look at the KJV translation of the Hebrew word, okay. um, it's translated as prayer 74 times, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it's translated as made three times, like to create, Yes. Made. it's translated as judge twice, mm-hmm. it's translated entreat once, judgment once. Prayer once, in this spe- not in this spot, in somewhere else. Okay. Supplication once, and thought once. So right. it's just such a weird... Spray. S- spread. It's like, what is going on? Yeah. And how do they get all of that just out of this one word, which you just... It's prayer, right?
1: Right. It, it, well, It's
0: come up before <laughs> right. in the text. It's not a new concept.
1: So that's a great tool for all of our listeners out there doing their independent studies. I know they do. Um, you should absolutely check your concordances, and if it says that it's translated one way seventy-three times, and then a couple they random it up ways, on you. <laughs> um, which is super frequent,
0: it happens all the time. It and does. It's always, yeah.
1: It does. Um, I think it's that, like
0: a norm, and it feels like it shouldn't be
1: right. I think they're prizing um a different value okay in doing that and that they are changing the word to something that makes more sense to them because they are prizing readability right which clearly i'm not um in these past few chapters that's kind of a joke um but also you're
0: prizing thought invocation
1: right i'm inviting people to wrestle with the text and translators usually do not want to do that. They want to make everything as clear, clear. as possible, yep. even dry. if that is not it's not there in the Hebrew. Right.
0: So, but still, judge versus thought versus <laughs> right. made, those right. are not the same. Right, so there they've of, changed. For a lot of reasons.
1: You should go and read uh, if you're curious why, why they picked those to go there, why it made sense for them. Maybe it twisted something theologically that they didn't like, and so they edited it. Um, whatever might be the case, but the word, the root is palel, right. um, shows up all the time as pray, especially in, as my, um, Hebrew students will know, hit form. Um, so to hit palel, which is different than hit So now everyone's confused, but hit palel is our usual form for prey, which is, um, uh, it's a reflexive form. So the use of that form emphasizes that prayer is something that you do within yourself. Okay. Um, which fits in our conception of prayer, especially because it's usually something that we do on our own might've been more interesting from a, you know, a Central Asian perspective where prayer is communal. Oh, the fact that it's also yeah. balanced by being something that you're doing within yourself. Um, but so here it's not in Heath palel form. So it's just r- regular Palal. Um, all of that to say that the word for prayer does have to do with intervening, which... Um, okay. We can see supplication, supplicate, entreat, intercede, you know, even the judge thing, we have a separate word for judge. And so I don't love interpolating that Uh word, Um, but it does have to do with intervening in the picture that that's coming from um, is a notched sword. Super interesting, notched sword. Now, if you read Jacenius, um, we have an unfortunate artifact of, you know the racist late 1800s in which you envision other people groups as being particularly barbaric. okay And so he uses that word unfortunately to talk about Arabic people and talks about them cutting themselves um, which I am not aware of any is I don't know a lot of things about right. Islam, uh, but I'm not aware of any Islamic practice that involves cutting yourself mm. while praying. And so he says, in Jasani's there. I'm a big Jasani's fan, which is why I'm taking a minute here to defend his his honor. His even even if he has some dubious dubious racism sprinkled around as you do in the 1800s, but if you are of a privileged person, a privileged position, Okay, so where am I going? Um, so "palel intervene" has something to do with a notched sword. So if you look up what is the purpose of a notched sword, um, because normally if you have a sword that has a dent in it, has a notch, it means you need to right. take it to a smith. Not a good thing. <laughs> no, get it refinished because that's a error. You know, it's something that um, is weakening the integrity of your blade. However, there are these daggers. Um, And you can find them in the Arabic tradition and across the Mediterranean, actually, Mm. where um, if you put in these deep notches into a blade, they're there so that you can grab the attacker's blade. Mm. And you can use that to rip it out of their hand or if it's particularly weak construction, you can use it to break a blade. So if you go on to the... um, the, the pool of knowledge and dubious knowledge that we know as YouTube, um, you can find people with these swords. If you Google like, um, you know, sword breaker, dagger type thing Enjoy whoever is interested by that. I find it fascinating. Okay. So how does that connect to prayer? So if prayer is an intervening power in the world, If prayer is saying that there is a stream of purpose that is happening, um, whether that is the first time we saw this word, Avimelech's house is all infertile, right? And so Abraham, the first use of Palel, he intervenes in that reality and breaks, as a prophet, and breaks that sword, snaps it in half or rests it away, intervenes and hands over a new reality to those people of fertility, of wellness. Um, And so here he said, I had not intervened in um, the narrative of losing you, right? Um, I had not prayed in a way that sought to change the destiny that was unfolding. Yeah.
0: And we talked about that quite a lot with Yaakov during the last, you know, yeah, 10 chapters or whatever. His passivity
1: is a major force. Like it becomes not just a background thing. Yeah. His passivity is an active problem. Um, so yeah, it's not just, I didn't pray to see you again right. it's i didn't intervene at all um which is true so anyway go out and pray with new with new vigor or curiosity or wonder or yeah. awe or excitement yeah. um i certainly am inspired thinking about those sword breaking swords right Mm-mm. good stuff okay yeah, very good okay part- i didn't plan on doing that teaching so sorry if it was meandering
0: no it was good i i appreciated it um Okay, part two, verses 12 through 22. We have, starting off, that uh, odd section about Yosef brought them out from with his knees. Um, he bowed himself, nose to the land. Yosef took, uh, took the two of them. And then we have this uh, description of how he presents them to his father. This kind of, here is the poor, very clear. Here is the younger brother, right? He's doing this handoff
1: switcheroo situation
0: right and Yaakov does this switcheroo thing right he puts his hand across and Mm -hmm. onto the younger brother for the blessing so um and it 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 kind of occurs in a weird order right because it starts with in verse 15 he blesses Yosef um and we have this section of him talking to Yosef with this blessing and then he goes to bless the sons um and in verse 18, we have Yosef doing the correction, right? Not like this. This is the before, putting right. hand on his head. Well, so, so,
1: why is he putting the hands on the heads before he blesses Yosef? Yeah. It's very interesting. So, he does this whole speech, which is also bizarre, which we need to talk about. Right. Um, with his hands on Ephraim and the Manasseh's head switched. And then Yosef only gets mad about it when it's time to bless them, right. maybe because he figures out what's going on. Um, but yeah, so apparently posed like this with crossed hands, he says, the gods before whom the fathers walked themselves, Avraham and Yitzchak, the gods shepherded me continually until this day, the angel has ransomed me from all evil. He will bless the young men. My name will call within them the name of my father. It's Abraham and Yitzchak. Boy, any hot takes there, George?
0: I mean... Uh, It's interesting in the way that he is talking about God, right? Um, Being this one, the God before whom his fathers walked, right? So he's talking about the lineage of the service to this God. And then the God that shepherded him right continually which lines up with what he said before about the prayer section right Mm. i didn't do this but god intervened on my behalf and led us to this situation right right? so god's coming in and doing this shepherding and then the angel which is you know an interesting inclusion is you know it's this this uh being that god has placed supposedly to take care of him has been with him ransomed me from all evil, he will bless the young men. Right. Right. So almost this transfer, he's going to also be with these two children.
1: Yeah. Here's here's what I'm thinking. First off, you made a little edit there by switching the gods to God. Um, I did, yeah. Very standard translator choice of you. Thank you. (laughs) You're in good company. It's fine. I think that he... He goes with plural here because um, he doesn't trust that Yosef has followed Yahweh. Hmm. I think that he sees his son as being corrupted completely by Pero, which is why he's like, listen, you got to get me back to the land. I don't think he trusts him to know his theology at all. So I think he meets him where he's at um, with this plural use. Um, I think that um, the phrase walked themselves has come up a, couple different times um it's again that reflexive heath pile form and it reminds us that you know it's up to us to walk the path that's been laid out right. for us theme
0: through this entire book is right. walking
1: right well but not just walking it's not god walking you it's you have to walk yourself and yeah. the path that god puts out which reminds right. me of
0: original calling to abraham walk to yourself
1: right right Right. Um, But specifically, walk yourself like you walk a dog. (laughs) Like Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and troubling, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like we like to talk about, and the Psalms like to talk about God holding your hand and walking with you. And Hosea says that God teaches us how to walk as children. Um, And yet, here, it's still you got to walk yourself. Okay, so Abraham and Yitzhak walk before God. And then it says, the gods shepherded me continually right. until this day. New, What's the new
0: concept there?
1: Well, it isn't the but it's not for Yosef because who holds a giant shepherd's staff in Yosef's oh, world?
0: Pharaoh. Yeah. Pharaoh
1: holds a giant shepherd's staff. So it's like Yaakov is saying, you know who's the shepherd? It's not Pharaoh, yeah. it's God. And then he calls on um, this imagery. If you think about where an angel has showed up, like the first time we had angels maybe was... um, Abraham. Was Abraham. But an angel is specifically Hagar, right? Um, The angel shows up and shows her where the water is when she's been liberated slash kicked out um, from slavery. Um, The angel shows up... Again,
0: the wrestling match,
1: potentially. right? Mm-hmm. The angel shows up. Um, that's jumping ahead, George. Okay. <laughs> um, the angel specifically delivered Yitzhak from danger by showing up and telling Abraham not to murder his son and shows him where right. uh-huh. um, the ram is. And so the angel has been this figure of deliverance for them. For quite some time. And then in Yaakov's experience, certainly not just deliverance, but someone, although for him, that was a big emotional, scary moment where he thought he was going to get killed by his brother, right? That yeah. was what was happening the next day. So this figure of salvation, of deliverance, of rescue from sudden danger. Um, and so I think that's why he says, that the angel has ransomed me from all evil. Now, of course, in Christian spheres, in Protestant Christian spheres, we're very, very leery of angels and very, very pro Jesus being everywhere. So you can say that's Jesus and um, fine.
0: Yeah, no, I like all of that. I think it's really good. I think it's reinforced by the blessing of the younger brother. Um, because in a way that's Yaakov reinforcing, this is how our God functions. Mm -hmm. He doesn't function like all of these other people. We're not, our family is not like all of these, all of these other people, right? We don't operate the same way. Right. And so much so that the younger is going to be greater than the older, right? right? That was his legacy. Right. We see that legacy, um, Jesus before him too. with well even with Ishmael and uh, Isaac, which you don't you don't ever talk about it that way but it's still true
1: right well also Cain and havel
0: yeah yeah
1: um so yes God has always been the upside down kingdom person right. um and so he does seem to be reminding him of that and this elevation of those these two y- very youngest grandsons right. to the role of sons. Um, is another version of that. He does say that they will multiply like fish. So. That's like a, a fish, like a fish. Um, that's a hepaxlogomenon, um, which, okay. as I'm sure you remember by now, means something that only appears one time. However, yeah. it's from the word dog, which means fish, and so we're guessing that it's multiply like fish from context, basically. Um, but it could be wriggle like fish. It could be squirm like fish. Mm. It could even be swim like fish. Um, that would all be weird because it says into a great many. Right, Um, But it is strange because all the other times we see multiply and become great, it's like in the context of squirming things, um, which we'll see in Exodus chapter one. Okay, And so I don't know why I like checked to see if the ground, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh is on the coast. It's not. (laughs) So I don't know why they're becoming great like fish. I don't know if that's like an Egyptian culture thing. I would kind of like think maybe it is because the rest of this little monologue has been geared toward um, Yosef's perspective but I don't know why it's used specifically for these guys. I also don't know about how like what's the fish reproduction schedule. It's not on my like sleeve of facts that I have at all times so I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you think about, you know, the laying of eggs, you know, they lay hundreds.
1: Okay. George knows something about fish reproduction, everyone. Roll up our sleeves.
0: Um, Right. But, you know, it it could just be him using a metaphor that would give an idea of the amount of children that they're going to have in comparison with the other brothers.
1: Because fish also have really great legs, like super good break, legs man. yeah yeah okay, <laughs> okay. Right. um okay so then after he's done oh by the way he says into a great many in the bowels of the land again we continually have this vision of egypt being the nether places of the earth like hell this place you have to descend to versus Israel, you go up to Mitzrayim, you go down to. Uh So now they're going to become a great many in the bowels of the land. Um, I like it. Okay, so then Yosef notices that the right hand is on the wrong kid. And it doesn't just say that it displeased him or it wasn't good. It says it was evil. Yeah. Um, Another
0: Hagar story concept, maybe, right? mm. Evil in Abraham's eyes.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, And also interpersonally for Yosef, right? He's not, maybe he sees unhealthy patterns again in prioritizing one child over another. Like that was kind of his downfall was his dad looking at him when the younger sons and saying, oh, you're better than the older ones and messing up like Yosef's whole life. And so maybe that's why he's like, not this again, not this again. Uh Um, Not like this, my father. This is the b'chor, place your right hand upon his head. His father refused. I know, my son, I know. Um, I think that doubling is interesting. In modern Hebrew, you say everything twice, almost all the time. (laughs) Shalom, shalom. Right, yep, yep. Um, But... Not in Tanakh. So that's interesting. Um, and he comforts Yosef by saying, also, he'll become a people. He'll be great, which is nice. He doesn't, um, you know, say this younger one is, or the, the older one, the original Bukhor isn't worth anything. He says good things about him too, yeah. but the little brother shall be greater than he. His seed will be that which fills the nations. Um, and then we have this weird, like, anachronism, which if you're pro <laughs> that the text was copy-pasted different spots from different eras, which I'm not, but here's a point in your your uh, half of the court, if that's you out there. It says, in you, Yisrael will bless, saying, may God set you as an, set you as Ephraim and Manasseh, um, which most people translate to be like, may God bless you like he blessed Ephraim and Manasseh. Mm. Um, But the weird part there is Yisrael will bless because right now Yisrael is just a man. Yeah. And here it's kind of this future term being used in the past talking about when we call God's people Yisrael, which I don't know that Yisrael knows that.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I mean, there's a couple of times in here in which the rabbis talk about Yaakov having these uh, kind of like premonitions from God about the future of the kids, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Knowing that they're going to have children that are going to be important in the story of the nation of Israel, right? So Mm -hmm. from Manasseh is going to come Gideon, but also knowing that Joshua is going to come from Ephraim Mm. and that Joshua is, I guess, in the rabbi's, mindset more Mm -hmm. a more important figure than Gideon so placing them in that order because he knows the importance of
1: Joshua versus Gideon Gideon. interesting so
0: there is some of that going on in their mind at least that could potentially be uh yeah I mean what they would say about that
1: we haven't touched that at all um Yaakov's apparently supernatural knowledge of things to come um You know, and Yosef goes along with it. So, credit to Yosef not overruling his dad here. Right. Um, He lets him do what he thinks is right. And then, our very last section uh, Yisrael says to Yosef, Look here, I am dying. Not a new thing. (laughs) Yeah, he's been dying a long time. Um, Probably tuberculosis. Um, God will be with you all, He will return you to the land of your fathers. I have given to you. Totally bizarre. Do not remember this being in God's word, but here it is. I have given to you one shoulder over your brothers. Most people translate that ridge. I've talked about the word Shechem earlier. Um, Yeah.
0: says portion. NIV says ridge of land. ESV says mountain slope.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not portion. Those are different words. But shechem does mean shoulder. And so we talk about that geographically being like if it's next to a mountain, the sloping spot. You know, if the head is a mountain. Anyway, so I've given you a geographical feature over your brothers, um, which I took from the hand of the emery with my sword and my bow. Right. I do not remember Yisrael whipping out his sweet archery skills at any time in right. this story.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, It it is an interesting claim. Uh, the rabbis say, at least in one uh, midrash... Uh, that those terms, he's referring to the sword as his praying.
1: Oh, and, like we just talked about. Uh-huh. Ding, 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 yep. ding, ding.
0: And they give all of these verses in which it talks about Israel and their voice and prayer being a theme throughout the text. Okay. Um, and the bow is and my axe well so they take the word bow which i don't know the hebrew you would but "bakashti" is okay. similar to supplication bakashati
1: okay and
0: they say okay he's talking about his prayer and his supplication
1: Be, okay so "bakash" means to seek it's one of our words for okay. seeking and asking um the word for bow is keshet and so they're saying, like, in bow mine. Yeah, I don't
0: they're know. They're kind
1: of lining it up. It works more than some of the other things they do. Yep. So I'll it give was, it a that B That is a very plus. short
0: uh, summation of a very long block text that I'm not going to read. <laughs> sure.
1: Full respect. Also, I'm here for, you know, us finding pacifism or a pacifist angle. Uh, which certainly we, befits us as Jesus people. Um, I'm also curious if that isn't true. like what's this lost story about Israel stealing something from, you know, uh, the Emery, which oh, b- it's one of the the great tree of the place of visions of Amaris, um, uh where Abraham hears about Levan being kidnapped. Okay. So, you know, that's, it's a storied place yeah. for us. um, Anyway, so fascinating. Maybe he just prayed real hard and got a geographical strip of land. Maybe he pulled out his excellent weaponry skills. We'll never know. We'll never know. Or maybe we will someday. World to come. Okay, well, we are finishing up the book of Bereshit, the Scroll of Genesis. It's yep. a very exciting Two more
0: two more chapters to go.
1: Yeah, we got some poetry for me to translate next week, which is always an exciting endeavor. Um Uh, It's just extra work, but not as much work as a genealogy. Um, So I'm sure there'll be lots of interesting things for us there. And then after we finish Genesis, how exciting um, to be done. We'll also have a um, we'll have a mailbox episode like yep. we've been saying.
0: Yeah, and those emails have been coming in. Keep sending those. Uh, we love to see your questions, and we're excited to get to and those. Gaze
1: at them blithely before deleting them. Just kidding. No, um, all right. <laughs> that's all what right. it sounds like. <laughs> no, we're excited to read them and talk about them on the air. So, um, we're also. From some podcast apps. I don't even know which apps they are yet. I'm sure George does, but we're getting people calling in with their actual voice so that we can use in the episode, I presume. So that's oh, I suppose exciting. We could.
0: Yeah, those are fun to get to your voice messages. I think it's Spotify that does that. You oh. can leave a voice message on a specific episode. So Wow.
1: Okay. Well, feel free. Throw them on it. Um, but for now, this has been... It's not my job.
0: <laughs> this has been the text in us podcast thank you so much for joining us and we hope that you will join us again next week for genesis chapter 49